young and I've been running, getting to the kick. Dog, you ain't a hundred, this a hundred. Let me demonstrate. If she ain't got brains, then I ain't trying to penetrate. And if you ain't a stand up need you, you could get your dinner ate. I ain't buying all that real shit. Dog, you benefit. Took her on a dinner date. Now we on the interstate. Might be a rookie in the game, but I've been a great. And we about autonomy, dog. We ain't trying to integrate. Man, we ain't tryna integrate Was broke back then, now the youngest seeing different kick We don't go all feelings, we just make sure that the bend is straight And if you ain't an intellect, then you can't get a penetrate Local Niji, now I'm getting love all in different states Got a Niji, if you ain't got scars, then you can't relate That was Integrate by Ja Bricks Welcome to the On The Wake Up Radio You are now tuned in to the Starver Creek Show We don't just discuss the problems we offer the solutions. I'm your host, J. Ali Shiamaru. Shout out to our producer, Cindy Ashby, for making it possible. If you haven't done so already, make sure you go sign up for www.otw2.com so you can join our community of melanated Aboriginal content creators where your voice can be heard and you never have to worry about censorship. For today's episode of the Sovereign Creed Show, we equip you with the necessary skills to develop a family tactical plan. With everything going on around the world, it would be wise to prepare for the unthinkable. With predicted programming films such as Songbird, The Purge franchise, The Divergent series, and The Hunger Games franchise, we've already been desensitized to the idea of intruders entering our homes to either contain, detain, or exterminate us. What do you do with that intruder represents the U.S. government, a private militia group contracted by the U.S. government, or just a tactical group coming to apprehend food, water, supplies, or to look for shelter. Let's be honest with ourselves. The vast majority of melanated families in America who reside in major metropolitan Democratic-run municipalities aren't prepared to fight. A large percentage of people who live in these areas don't even own a firearm. An even larger percentage of those same people lack basic self-defense training. Then you have the propaganda. You see, there has been a large agenda at play since 9-11. The Patriot Act was enacted in October of 2001 by the Bush administration with the stated goal of dramatically tightening U.S. national security, particularly as it re- relates to foreign terrorism. In general, the act included three main provisions. Expanding surveillance abilities of law enforcement, included by tapping domestic and international phones. Eased interagency communication to allow federal agencies to more effectively use all available resources in counter-terrorism efforts. And increased penalties for terrorism crimes and an expanded list of activities which would qualify for terrorism charges. The law is controversial due to its authorization of indefinite detention without trial of immigrants and due to the permission given the law enforcement to search property and records without a warrant, consent, or knowledge. Then you have the series of black swan events in the form of mass shootings, such as Columbine, Heritage High School, the D.C. Sniper, Aurora, Colorado, Sandy Hook, Dylan Wood, the Orlando nightclub, Dallas and Baton Rouge police shootings, and the 2017 Las Vegas shootings. They create the problems 
so they can offer the solutions. Don't take my word for it. Check this out. The future. When any of us look at where this is heading, we need to think about where we've been. And sadly, these kind of emergency powers that are born out of crises have a perfect history of abuse. I mean, down the board, whenever you look at these things, uh, the funniest part about it, uh, in a dark way, is that the emergency never ends. It becomes normalized when you talk about mass surveillance. The Bush-era warrantless wiretapping program, um, only part of it was shut down. Um, and it's rolled over and it's rolled over and it's rolled over. And we've reformed things at the edges, but the basic practices of what was supposed to be a stopgap emergency, which was in response to another stopgap emergency, was, which was, of course, the legacy of 9-11 and the Patriot Act. And we are still today engaged in the same wars uh, that we declared nearly 20 years ago that we have not managed to escape. As authoritarianism spreads, as emergency laws proliferate, as we sacrifice our rights, uh, we also sacrifice our capability to arrest this slide into a less liberal and less free world. Uh, do you truly believe uh, that when the first wave, the second wave, the 16th wave of the coronavirus is a long forgotten memory, uh, that these capabilities will not be kept, that these data sets will not be kept? Will those capabilities begin to be applied? to small-time criminality? Will they begin to be applied to political analysis? Will they begin to be applied for doing things like uh, performing a census? Will they be used for political polling? No matter how it is being used, what is being built is the architecture of oppression. And what happens when they abuse it? And I believe they already have. You know, they're, they're running internment camps in China. And these practices when they don't get pushback, when they don't get condemnation, when they don't face sanction for this, will become normalized and it will spread. And we'll face them in Russia. We'll face them in Iran. And then we'll face them in Poland. We'll face them in Hungary. We'll face them throughout Europe. We will face them in the United States because we will face them everywhere. These systems, if we do not change them, will not simply be used to monitor our health. They're going to make decisions for us on an automated basis to determine who gets a job, who goes to school, who gets a loan, who gets a home, and who does not. And we today are being asked in a moment of extraordinary fear, what do we want these systems to look like? And if we don't make that decision ourselves, it will be made for us. Well, if I know people, there's a lot of you sitting out there shaking your head saying, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not one of those sheeple. Well, let's find out, folks. And don't shoot the messenger, because you can never solve a problem unless you can stare it in the face and recognize it for what it is. And in this case, it's us. Let me just ask you a few questions to find out if you are really sheeple or not. The first question is, do you believe in and support the purpose and the article itself, the second article and amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America, the right of the people to keep and bear arms. If you do, you would resist always any efforts to force Americans to register their guns, wouldn't you? Well, I would and have and will and never 
will I register my weapons. You see, because I know that the second article of the amendment is nothing to do with the right to hunt or any of the other things that people bandy about. It's to protect us against our own government should it ever become oppressive or should a despot ever rise to power in this country. Most good Americans understand that. People who love freedom know that it is the only thing, probably, that it has kept us free for this long. And have you noticed, boy, they're really trying to get every gun owner in the country to register their guns by joining the NRA. They're even offering prizes to the members who bring in the most new members. And the literature says, join the NRA and protect your right to hunt. You know, it's going to be easy to get rid of the guns, folks, if they can convince the legislatures to pass laws protecting animals and gun ownership is connected with the killing of those animals. Anyone who tries to restrict your legally owned firearms is not trying to make America safer. The point is to disarm you, to strip you of your autonomy, your power, your right of self-defense. Gun control is not about guns. Gun control is about who controls America. Is it the population, as in a democracy? Or does all control go to a small group of authoritarians, as in an oligarchy? Those are the stakes in the gun control debate. It's not about guns, it's about who runs the country. To, to gun owners out there who say, well, a Biden administration means they're gonna come for my guns. Bingo, you're right if you have an assault weapon. The fact of the matter is they should be illegal, period. Hell yes, we're gonna take your AR-15, your AK-47. You don't need an AR-15. It's harder to aim, it's harder to use, and in fact, you don't need 30 rounds to protect yourself. Says the hologram was protected by an algorithm. Here's the deal. These political puppets will say anything to get you to willfully comply with their wicked agendas. None of this is designed for your well-being or mine, nor your well-being is a no, excuse me. Your well-being is a conflict of interest for the people who intend to control you. So you have essentially two options. You can do nothing and wait for it to happen, or you can be proactive and prepared. That, ladies and gentlemen, gods and goddesses, is why we're here. And that brings me to our first guest today on the Cyber Cream Show. We have Hakeem Isler, founder of DOJYM and Elevo Dynamics, a family martial art and 24-hour base gym in Fayetteville, North Carolina. North Carolina, excuse me. Hakeem has been involved in the martial arts industry for 30 years and the security field for 15. Hakeem is a veteran of the Iraq War and an ex-member of the Armed Special Operations Community, where he received Arabic language training, survival training, evasion training, paratrooper training, etc. He was a fourth-degree black belt in Yandin in uh, Toshindo, modern ninjutsu, as taught by world-renowned author and black belt Hall of Famer Stephen K. Hayes. Hakeem is a first-degree black belt in Manog. BFCS Kali and a first degree black belt guru in Black Tiger Kali. Hakeem also studied Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, American Jiu Jitsu, Gracie Barra Jiu Jitsu. He is also a wilderness 
survival instructor for the Soil Foundation, a certified protection specialist. He's a published author of I Choose to Act, a women's defense book, and the newly released Battlefield Proximity Combat, a book and DVD on military and special combat tactics and philosophy in stores everywhere. Nicknamed the Black MacGyver, please give a warm, a warm welcome to Hakeem Isla. And while we're waiting for Hakeem, I want to read off I want to read off a few things that are going on currently uh, in Australia for those that don't know. Uh, Australia has turned into a draconian police state. Here are some highlights of the insane things happening there. There are quarantine camps being built. They deploy the army to patrol the streets to lock people inside their homes. Unarmed civilians shot with rubber bullets for protesting the government. Children tear gas by police for being in the protest. Citizens to be forced to download an app with facial recognition and location tracking. Police will require you to send photos of yourself randomly to prove your whereabouts. If you don't rely, if you don't reply within 15 minutes, police will be sent to find you. A new surveillance law allows police to delete and modify files on your phone and take over social media accounts without a judge's warrant. This is some black nerd shit, but it's, it's really happening, people. Mothers were fined 1000 for talk, talking with each other outdoors. Police patrolling children's playgrounds to make sure kids aren't playing. Police helicopters flying over parks, blaring messages warning people not to exercise. Requirements to scan QR codes to enter any playground that is open. A man was jailed for eight months for organizing a protest against the government. He was arrested and sentenced in only 24 hours. I can't even read any more people. The only difference between us and Australia is Australia, they gave up their guns. And that's what all of this legislation is for, is to get us to give up our guns. So uh, it's 4.15. Let me see if we have uh, Hakeem. Yeah, I'm here. Hey. Awesome. Me, uh, go ahead and uh, and repeat the uh, the initial question, my brother. I already gave you a, a introduction. I'm glad you're here. Um, the first question that I have for you, uh, well, first of all, you have a very impressive resume, and um, with the current times that we are in, how important is it for melanated families across the U.S. to be prepared for the unknown, or I guess you say the inevitable? Uh- I'm of the opinion that it's very important um, for a multitude of reasons. But if we look at, you know, history, if we look at the the history of, let's say, um, anything, any type of disaster, natural emergency, um, you know, it's people of color that end up getting hit the hardest. And I think it's because, you know, there's several reasons, but one main is because we're not prepared. We're not ready. Um, We don't have food stores and we don't get the training and we don't, you know, we don't prepare in the proper ways. And so we end up getting hit the hardest waiting for the governmental system to come out there and try to save the day. And that's, that's not going to happen. It's not happened consistently in any, the only thing that's been consistent is that it's not really happened uh, to standard um, in any of the major events that we've seen over the several, the last several years. Awesome. Uh, 
next question I have for you, Hakeem. Um, how have you made the successful transition from uh, soldier to civilian? Um, dedication, drive, just trying to see opportunities. So I went into the military at a late time in my uh, in my uh, life. So I think when I joined, I was like 24 or 26. Normally, people go in at like 18, 20. Um, and, you know, yeah, I was 26. I was 26 when I went in. And, you know, so I had already had some life under my belt. I had been living on my own and doing things. And um, I, moved to, I moved from Jersey to Ohio to train in this martial arts program. And, um, and so when I came out, you know, it was kind of a, it was kind of, uh, an issue or, or an idea of me having a little bit more drive, a little bit more focus, um, and knowing that I wanted to make something big happen. And so I had to sit back, really plan and strategize and work hard to make that happen. Um, and that's, that's basically how I made the transition. And because I wasn't willing to accept no, and I was always looking at opportunities that other people weren't looking at, um, I was able to find my way into many different doors that, um, you know, should have been closed to me or could have been closed to me if I wasn't really paying attention. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, next question. So obviously the title of the show is Family Tactical Plans. How early do you feel a child should be introduced to tactical training and self-defense? So I, I really believe that, you know, um, it, it, there is no timeline. I think, I think true survival, true, ta uh, you know, tactical and preparedness and, you know, mindset should be taught um, or, or should be lived, you know. And since more is caught than taught, um, you know, I think that if you're living your life in that way, your child is just going to pick that up, you know. Um, and I think that's what's really important. I went to an event not long ago, and um, I met this little nine-year-old kid, you know, um, while I was at the event, and, you know, he became my best friend, and he was following me around and everything, and um, and he he and I were talking, and he uh, looked at me and was like, oh, man, I forgot to do, I forgot to do my investments, and I said, what, your investments, and he's like, yeah, he's like, uh, you know, I got to, you know, I'm supposed to look at the stock and da, 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 da. And I was like, wow, you know, how old are you? Nine years old. You know what I'm saying? And so I started looking at him as, you know, that was a perfect example. So later that night, I talked to his parents and I said, hey, you know, your son was talking to me and he was talking about he's got a debit card and he was talking about his his stock portfolio. And, and they were like, yeah, we got him on this platform and We've been working with them to do that because, you know, it's something that we do. And, you know, we've been, instead of giving him his allowance and letting him do what he wants with it, we kind of guide him towards these things because that's what we do. And I was like, wow, that's just, that's, that's life changing. So I don't think you're too early. You know, I think, I think it, it should be a way of life for you um, and your family. And, you know, whatever you're doing, you know, if you teach your children, if you raise them up in the way that they should go, you know, you'll be good. And so that's really what I'm a proponent of. I'm a proponent of, you know, obviously, you know, you're not having your child skydive, but, you know, we got, so, you know, there's things that you can do to like really prepare them and get them ready. Have them understand what it's like to, 
be out in the woods, get close to nature, have them understand what it's like to be able to be self-reliant, you know, um, let them explore a little bit, let them, you know, expand their, their mindset. You know, those type of things are things that it seems like more and more we're doing less of, and it's a problem. I have at my school a mom that I talked to. If you want to get a black belt from me, our, part of our black belt process is you have to go out for a weekend on my property, and I put you through like a mini survival course, you and several other people, whoever else is going for their black belt. And um, this young lady has been training here for years and years and years. She actually should have went for her black belt two years ago. Um, so I went to the mom and I said, hey, you know, your daughter's ready you know, to get this black belt, is she going to come out and do the event? Oh, no, she doesn't like outside. Okay, well, you know, but it's only a weekend. Yeah, but she doesn't do bugs and stuff like that. I was like, so how's that going to work out for her in the real world? So that means anything that makes her uncomfortable, you just shut it out, you know, and you're, you're allowing her to make that choice now while she's a teenager. That's going to chase her for the rest of her life, you know, so live a life of resilience, live a life of tactical proficiency if that's what you want your children to be aware of. But if you allow them to just kind of wake up and get on technology and stay on technology all day, that's what that's what they're being trained to do and that's what they're gonna do. And they're not gonna know how to be self-reliant and self-proficient. Wow, man, thank you so much for that. that is- I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, next question for you. Wilderness Survival Instructor. That's a very interesting title. Can you describe what goes into your program? Yeah. So, you know, I do urban. I do wilderness. Uh, you know, I, I got famous for the wilderness aspect of my training because, you know, I did that show Naked and Afraid, and I did several other television shows where I was out in the cut um, surviving with nothing. Um and, you know, that's kind of how I got, you know, my, my name, um, my name got out there. Um, but, you know, being a wilderness survival instructor is really about learning everything that you can and teaching everything that you can that has to do with, the you know, surviving in the wild. And these are all skills that we as a people and, and you know, have all had at some point. Um, but, you know, maybe because we've gotten very comfortable um, in our environments, we have forgotten those skills. But I kind of take it, I bridge the gap in a very unique way. Because if you look around you, all of the things that ancient man needed, we still need today in order for us to survive on a base level. We got more technology today, but we still need to thermoregulate. So we still need a way of insulating ourselves and keeping our temperature, our core temperature, you know, and homostasis so that we can survive. So what is that? You know, I mean, we got an air conditioner or we have a heating unit or we have something of that nature, but I mean, it's still the same. We still have to maintain our core temperature. We still have to drink water every day. So, you know, yeah, maybe you might drink a few sweet teas, you know, but you still got to get water, you know? So how do we get, you know, it's easier now because we can turn on the faucet, you know, but in the past it was something that you had to go out and you had to be able to, you know, clean or find and then filter or whatever the case may be. So if you just look at what's surrounding you now, what you need to survive, you already kind of have a base understanding of how you're going to need to survive if you're in the wild. 
You know, you just now need to understand what the difference of materials are so that you can create that for yourself. But you know you need water, you know you need food, you know you need shelter, you know, and then your house is designed the same way as a shelter is designed. You have some sides, you have a foundation, you have a roof, you know, you have insulation in the walls. So now you already have an understanding on a base level of what you need, even if you had no clue on how to build a shelter, you actually, you know, you have an understanding of what goes into a shelter. So really you do have an understanding of how to build a shelter. So I kind of teach from that perspective, you know, because I want to make it relatable and I want people to understand that you kind of, you know, we, if we just are creative in our thinking and we're able to look at what surrounds us, we're able to see answers everywhere. You know, because the, the lowest common denominator is the same. That's the human being. So as long as we are the lowest common denominator and we don't have, and, and all of a sudden new, new human beings don't pop up on the face of the earth where they got like three heads and four legs, you know, then we always are going to have that same thing in common. And so it's just a matter of understanding, you know, how to bridge that gap. Really appreciate that, brother. Um... What inspired you to become an author? Um, so what inspired me to become an author? I was, uh, I was always a writer. So I was a lyricist when I was a kid. Um, and I stayed making music and writing lyrics for until my 20s. Um, and then I went into, I got into poetry and I was writing more poetry. Um, and then after my time in the service, you know, I, had, I, I stopped writing poetry as much. Um, because, you know, it, it took on a different feel of, of some of the things that I saw and had to do while I was in the service. Um, but, you know, I also saw that there was, you know, my first, my first full, well, my first published book, you know, I self-published my actual first book, which was actually a book on uh, woman self-protection. Um, I come from a home and in, in, in that home, you know, my mom was abused. And um, through my family, all her sisters had been abused by their spouses. So as a child growing up around abuse, I got to learn, you know, I got to see a side of, you know, of abuse and relationships that I didn't like. And so I became a protector. You know, there's, there's sev several dynamics that can happen from that. And one of them is that you could either become an abuser or you could become a, a protector. I chose the protector path. Um, and... So I had wrote that book uh, in my 20s and I self-published it. And while I was writing that, I really learned that, you know, I had a talent for putting together words, not just in a lyrical format, but in a, a, a written word format for a book. But I kind of let it go for a while. And then I joined the army and I saw an opportunity to write another book on what on modern hand-to-hand -hand combat on the idea of fighting in armor fighting in body armor based on some of the things that I was, I knew from my martial arts background and what I saw happening, you know, boots on the ground in Iraq. And so I had wrote that book, Modern Hand-to-Hand -hand Combat, and it was published in like 2009. And I had such great responses to that book that I was just like, wow, you know, I have the talent for this. And so I started to write other books. And so I have a children's book out there called uh, Tales from a Modern Ninja Kid. I have a, uh, I have a wilderness survival book that, I, that was released. 
called Ninja Wilderness Survival. And then I have a new book that will be out uh, at the beginning of the next month called Team Ready. And it's about how to build a disaster team. And I was commissioned to write a small manual for a group called the National African American Gun Association called Building a Nest, a national, uh, I mean, uh, um, a national emergency support team or a NAGA emergency support team. Um, and so I have, and, and I love it. I love being able to leave behind and share because it's only one me, but to be able to share the knowledge and the skill sets that I have, that's really what it's about. It's each one teach one. It's not about me at all. Whatever gifts and whatever knowledge that I have were bestowed upon me for the people. And so that's truly what I believe in my heart. And so, um, you know, being an author is a way for me to be able to uh, realize that power and push that push that energy and that that positivity and that knowledge out into the community so more people can build on it and uh, you know my hope is the next generation gathers that knowledge and expands upon it and, and, and leaves it to the next generation thank you for that Akeem you actually uh, just answered my next question which was uh, do you offer new tactical training well I've been the follow up I know you offer uh, that training on your, your property in North Carolina, but uh, let's say, for instance, we had a group in here that wanted to uh, acquire your services. Do you travel? Yeah, actually, I, um, I'm traveling. I'm traveling uh, not this this weekend, but the following weekend. I'm going to Ohio to teach a class, and um, and then at the end of September, I'm going to another you know a place in North Carolina to teach and speak and then in october i'll be traveling again uh to teach in uh another ask another area in north carolina so yeah i travel uh to teach you know and and pass on the knowledge and the information you know that is awesome you and i will, will have some more private conversations i actually have a group that we would definitely uh like to discussing to maybe setting up some uh, tactical training scenarios and maybe like some open outdoor situations, room clearing, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, now is the time and Hakeem is on a tight schedule, so we're going to go ahead and uh, get his Q&A going now. Uh, I have uh, the three other gentlemen that I'm interviewing. We will conduct ours a bit later. But for Hakeem, do I have anyone in the audience that has a question for Hakeem while he's uh, still here. If you have a question, uh, please raise your hand. I have time for three, only three questions, but if you do have a question for Hakeem, uh, go ahead. Anyone with a question? All right, I've got my three people. Let's go ahead. Uh, let's start with Latina. Hello, peace, everyone. Um, I just had a quick question. I heard you mention that you'll be in Ohio, and I'm actually in Ohio, and I was just wondering um, what part of Ohio that you'll be in. Um, that part is in Mason, Ohio, or Mansfield. Sorry, Mansfield, Ohio. Okay. Is that open, or is that like a closed group that the that is, training is for? It's a closed training. Um, and so, yeah, I got hired for a small group to go out there and teach them some stuff. Uh, my job in the military was psychological warfare. So um, I got hired to go out there and teach a course about psychological warfare, um, tactics and things of that nature, um, as well as some martial arts tactics and survival tactics. So I'll be out there teaching those things. 
Um, so if you have a group out that way, um, you know, in, in Ohio, anywhere, Cincinnati, Columbus, whatever, um, you know, I'll, I'll be, you know, I'd be more than happy to come out and uh, train you guys. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for that question, Latina. Uh, next on the docket is uh, Jalen. Go ahead. Go ahead with the question. Uh, my question was: Do you have like any uh, social media or like anything for uh, more information for contact Yeah. Yeah, I think you said, "Do I have any more social, uh, or do I have any uh, social media and means for people to contact me?" And uh, yeah, I do. So my name is Hakim. It's spelled H-A-K-I-M. I know there's several. There's uh, other ways to spell it there's uh but mine is h-a-k-i-m uh dash isler i-s-l-e-r dot com hakeem dash isler dot com and that's my website and from that website you can look at a lot of my publications you can look at a lot of the things that i've done um it has links to my youtube channel my instagram my facebook all that stuff so that's the hub so that's the best way um, I also have a website called SurviveUniversity.com that we launched just recently, uh, where we have a few classes on there. So again, it's Survive, not Survival, but SurviveUniversity.com, and that's a good way to kind of get in contact with contact with me as well. Thank you for your question, Jalen. And uh, last but not least, we have the guy Kai. Go ahead. Okay. So. So super quick, many of us are above that 35th parallel. So we have limited sun and we deal with severe winter conditions. It can be brutal. Are you please, uh, Are you able to speak to just how you alter your training to deal with the cold? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure what type of cold you're dealing with, but when I was on Naked and Afraid, I was in um, the Himalayan Mountains in India. And then I did another show where I was in on the Tibetan Plateau in China in the Himalayan mountains, it was 36 degrees at night and I was uh, nude. Um, so I had to, and I had to be there for three weeks. So, um, you know, that was a unique experience on how to deal with the cold when you literally have nothing, you have no clothes and you're trying to uh, survive and thrive in an environment, uh, you know, that that's very extreme um, that you've never been to before. So, you know, I, I adapt and I have a lot of knowledge on how to adapt. Um, so I, I, I guess the answer to your question is yes. What, what I can suggest would really be dependent on where your environment is, what your landscape is, your terrain is. Do you have a lot of trees? What type of trees you have? Do you have any types of cave systems? You know, um, do you have access to fire materials? Do you have access to, you know, um, is it something more that you would be able to build something inside the dirt versus on top of the dirt. You know, those type of things will be things that we would try to look at to help us determine what's the best way for us to attack, you know, living and dealing with the cold in that particular environment. I appreciate that. Awesome. That'll uh, conclude the questions. Uh, you already uh, touched on it uh, as far as the getting in contact with you. Uh, if you could just uh, name uh, the, the, the profile for your, for your Instagram profile and just uh, the best uh, contact way to contact you one more time. Yeah, if you tell if you type in Hakeem Isler or Hakeem Black MacGyver Isler, um, you'll get me on Instagram. 
So H-A-K-I-M-I-S-L-E-R. Um, and then if you want to go to my website, it's Hakeem, H-A-K-I-M dash I-S-L-E-R.com. And so those would be ways that you could get to me on those two platforms. I just want to say I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule because I know you're out here preparing people and families uh, for the for anything and everything. So I just want to say I really appreciate you uh, taking the time and please believe we have each other's contact information. I will be contacting you uh, in the imminent future to discuss uh, putting together a, uh, a training session for a group. So I appreciate you. Yeah, I have, I have no problems with that. And just to let you know, I still have about on my timeline, cause I allotted until about six ten. So if you have any other questions out there, you know, you guys, I mean, I'm more than welcome. I'm more than happy to answer any other questions. Um, unless oh, you awesome. Guys awesome. Oh, I'll tell you what, I'm, uh, I've got some more interviews to conduct, but if you want to just mute, you just want to stick along and, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll get through it and maybe we can have a little powwow, uh, towards the end if you still have time. Okay. Sounds good. Awesome. All right. The next guest on the Sovereign Creed show is Amaru, hopefully I'm saying this correctly, Usaga Shi Ali. Usaga. Amaru Usaga Shi Ali. Amaru is the founder of Divine Security based in Nashville, Tennessee. He and his wife, beautiful wife, Amina, are the proud parents of 11 beautiful children, all of which have experience in tactical training. Without further ado, please give a warm welcome to my brother, Amaru Ausaka Shi Ali. Peace, God. Peace, God. For those in the audience who aren't familiar with you, you stand, now I'm a tall guy, I'm 6'4 with shoes, but you tower over me. You're at least 6'7? Actually, um, I'm at 6'5, 6'6, six, 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 half the shoes, so. Really, with those you must got some some uh some, some really tall shoes because uh, it's not very often that that I, I feel <laughs> that I'm looking up when I'm talking to someone. What's your athletic background? Well, um, like I said, uh, like everybody, man in America, uh, a black brother in America, man. I played football and basketball. Shoot, all the way up uh, high school, and right after high school, I went to uh, semi pro, and I played for a few semi pro teams. Uh, which led me to go to the combine. I had a few looks with the NFL, um, and then I chose to go the uh, arena football route. So I played arena football in Cincinnati, and then I came back here and played in Nashville for a little bit, and and kind of just gave it up after uh, you know just time and scheduling and uh, uh, it's just uh, yeah finances uh, was a big thing then yeah but yeah that's my athletic background. How did you get involved? in protection service? Uh, good question. Good question, man. Um, I started, man, I was like uh, 13, 14 years old, and I was helping out at church, man. And I, I got locked in with a brother who was a, a ex-cop, and he kind of just trained me everything. He, he pretty much gave me everything that it was in his head, man. So um, kind of fell in love with it, um, started working for some nightclubs, and um, and the rest was history, man. And then I fell in love with it so much, man. I started my business, Divine Security, 
uh, where I offer personal protection. Um, I had a client in Cincinnati um, who was well known um, and, and needed protection, and I kind of got in that, into that avenue. Um, and like I say, ever since, man, it's just like after that, I put together a team, and then we start um, attacking the clubs in um, in Hamilton, Ohio, and start doing some security up there. And um, yeah, man, that's pretty much how it started. Thank you for that, Amaru. Um, th- well, let me ask you this: Do you, do you prefer Amaru or Amar? Um, I I, per- I prefer uh, Aousaga. That's uh, that's my. Okay. Well, that's how I will address you, Aousaga. Aousaga. Um, <laughs> to say that you have a large family would be an understatement, brother. How do you and your your wonderful wife balance the time between homeschooling your children, tactical training? in operating your business? That's a great question. Um, and I get it quite often. Uh, the biggest thing is just um, getting your scheduling down. You know, um, find what's important and put days on it. You know, um, for, for instance, uh, for me, uh, I'm real big uh, on getting self time to myself, you know, uh, and creating that balance. So um, every uh, 15th of every month, man, I just go get a hotel room, and I go, no technology, and I just go there and I just rest, you know, and I spend my 24 hours there. My wife, uh, she she uses hers a little different. She goes skating on Tuesdays, and um, that's just, you know, we just create time, and we just put it on the schedule, and we don't miss it. You know, we don't miss it. We, we make it our priority. So um, we do that with homeschooling. We also have to do it with our businesses because we also uh, we're HR for our own business, you know, so um, – yeah, the schedule is everything in, in my home. Uh, Google Docs and <laughs> Google Calendars, man. And it's uh, uh, th- those are some tools that we use to keep stay on schedule. Well, we got a lot of cosmic energy going on because everybody keeps answering the next question. <laughs> the next question was supposed to be, "How do you, you know, for me to find a long time for each other and individually?" You, you kind of already touched on the, the individual part, but I'm sure you use those those calendars schedule, but how often are you, you and the wife able to uh, get away? Um, it's uh, once a month, once a month, um, sometimes twice, but um, again, like, you know, we use the schedule. Uh, we usually do it the first weekend of every month, so um, yeah, we get together with some friends and just, just do what we do, so yeah. Awesome, that is important. Um, what inspired you and your wife to get your children tactically trained so early and what type of exercises do you take? Um, honestly, uh, I did security for years. So, uh, my children see me, you know, walk around with weapons and, you know, um, get that late call at night when I had to pop up and go, you know, handle business, uh, with the client. So they were always around me. They seen my, uh, my bulletproof vest. So it became the norm, you know. Um, but the biggest thing for me is um, as they got a little older, they uh, like to be a lot of, they like to, they're very inquisitive. So um, I like to kill the curiosity. I was trained by some uh, Marines in Cincinnati when, when I got my gun license. And one of the biggest things that they, uh, that they, that they taught me was to kill the curiosity. So, um, and one of the things I did was 
um, they really liked my my handgun. So um, I set up uh, like every night we do a family meeting. So uh, once uh, once a week it would be like a Wednesday we'll do uh, tactical training, but we'll go over weapons. And uh, my big thing, my biggest thing is going back to the origin. Like I don't want to jump in and put them in all black and then we hiding out in the woods, man. That's just too much at once. So um, I let them pick their favorite weapon I had, and I literally broke it down and put it back together. I showed them the do's and don'ts, what, uh, what not to do when you're breaking down a weapon and having your bullets separated. And, you know, um, before they even get a chance to touch it, I created a multiple choice test, and they had to pass this multiple, co- uh, multiple choice question uh, test in order to uh, – Go go on to the next level. So, and once they reach the next level, I teach them how to break it down. Uh, what uh, the do's and don'ts. We go over there for uh, months at a time, and uh, after that, after they graduate that portion, and then we go into uh, the actual field training where I actually let them fire the weapon. You know, with ear protection and eye protection and things like that. So, um, my children they're very inquisitive. Man, they they see them sit around, they ask questions. So uh, I always told him, you know, never reach for a weapon, you know, and every time you have hunched to want to grab one or touch one, just come tell me. So randomly I get, uh, I get somebody march up the steps and ask, can I, you know, can I touch your weapon? And of course I make it safe for him and I, I let him touch it just to see it. And, you know, we talk about it a little bit, but it kills the curiosity so much, man. They walk past them all the time in the house, man. They don't even, they don't realize it. So, um, so that, that's I leave it right there. Wow, that is that is very powerful. And I, I don't know if I heard you say it, but how uh, how frequent are they uh, training doing firearms training on on a weekly basis? Oh, see, uh, <clears throat> so we kind of it's a lifestyle for us, man. So um, in family meetings, man, we always talking tactical stuff. You know, um, in homeschooling, man, I in uh, I implemented, you know, I took away the clock and they had to go by the sun to tell time, you know, for lunch and breakfast and things like that. So um, I, they don't really know it's tactical and they, they don't really know they're getting trained. But, you know, those two, something simple as using the sun to tell time, man, is is, um, is really uh, powerful, man. But um, we, the last time we gun trained was about a month ago. COVID is kind of like put a... Um, Put a uh, kind of like a put put us in the box a little bit because I usually go with the UP Newton and the Black Panthers, and we uh, also have Panther Cubs, so we usually get together in large groups. But uh, you know the parents, you know uh, they they feel that it's not safe. So you know me and my home, you know we 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 do it every ninety days. We just go out and just blow off some old ammo. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't know about the audience, but I'm my I'm I am like wow. Your kids can tell the sun; they can tell the time from the sun. Oh, yeah, I need to talk to you. I will get off of here, God. Yes, <laughs> I I need to be able to tell the time by the sun too. So uh, man, I'm I'm, I'm just par- my mind just had a, a a meltdown after that. Um, question. Uh, for the members of the audience, what type of family strategies for emergency preparedness do you suggest they implement and why? Uh, one of the biggest strategies is um, uh, I like to train my family on uh, 
home invasion. Because um, a lot of times, um, there there's some great numbers, man, where a lot of home invasions or a lot of a lot of attacks happen, man, in the driveway at your home, man. So one of the biggest things for my family, man, is I know that a lot of times we're probably not going to be attacked while I'm home. I'm six foot five and 300 pounds, so they're not going to run in the home with when I'm there. So the biggest thing, man, is making sure my family has a plan when I'm off and I'm working. I'm, um, uh, or I'm just saying I may be ill or, you know, I always make sure that my family is straight just on the home front. So we have, um, and I wouldn't necessarily direct you towards a certain person who's doing these trainings because I feel like uh, the parents of the home, like you should be the first teacher, you know, and uh, when you're teaching your home, you want your children to learn your voice. They don't, they don't need to learn another trainer's voice, you know? So, um, one, one thing we train real good on at home is, um, you know, moving in the darkness, you know, hearing something break, hearing the door open, you know, and just being able to move in the darkness, knowing where your weapon is, knowing what, where your weapon is, where, if it's loaded, you know, and, uh, kind of honestly just moving through as a team. So me and my wife have, have a strategy from our bedroom and we're, we have a strategy to sweep the whole house. And then um, my children, my oldest son and my daughter, who graduated the um, long, gun, long gun course, they're able to um, uh, have actual weapons, but they have their instructions to stay in their, in their room and to stay. So um, I literally wrote that whole thing myself, man. And I, I wanted my children to hear from me. And that way um, they understand um, when when. When the uh, coast is clear, man, they understand that the command is going to come from me, the mom or dad. So we do that, uh, every, like I say, every 90 days with that one as well. We try to do it at least one time, um, uh, one time every 90 days just to stay fresh. But um, I would recommend that every family come up with their own strategy because um, that's, that's not, of course, that's not my main strategy. I would never give that out online, but every family should have a strategy, a plan and let no one else know about it. And uh, that, uh, you'll be good. That's a great point. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, so that will conclude uh, this section uh, tomorrow. We we're going to, we're going to save uh, the rest of the, the Q and A's uh, for the end. So we can get through uh, some of these other gentlemen. Uh, next uh, guest on the Sovereign Creed show is going to be Denali Shiamaru. Denali is the president of Optimum Security Professionals based in Houston, Texas. They offer an array of armed and unarmed security services. Denali has also spent over 10 years in the Houston small business community as an owner and partner. Without further ado, please give a warm welcome to Denali Shiamaru. Peace, God. Peace, God. You have a very extensive business background. I have to ask, what inspired you to establish a security company? Well, man, first of all, uh, thank you for the invite. Man, I'm um, I'm thoroughly enjoying this, brother. I'm taking notes and <laughs> I'm connecting uh, some good information. Uh, uh, man. Uh, well, man, um, I started in the security industry uh, a little over 10 years ago, but my dad uh, was a police officer, man. He was a uh, sheriff deputy in Harris County uh, for about 40 years. So I grew up seeing the uniform, 
um, him having partners come around, you know, talking in the living room, hanging out, you know, kind of like those scenes from the movies where the partners would come over, drink beer and talk. Like, that's real. You know what I'm saying? So I was that kid listening to these guys uh, tell their stories, man. So um, in 2010, uh, um, I went the law enforcement route, uh, joined the academy and um, was headstrong on law enforcement, but had a good conversation with my dad. And he said, well, you know, son, I didn't really do this for you to also do this. <laughs> you're supposed to be greater than me, man. You're supposed to be better than me and not so much following, you know, exactly what I'm doing. And uh, at the time, man, I had been in business for a while. So, uh, uh, working security at the time, um, kind of like as a second job to my, um, parking management company, I just started learning, man, start getting promotions, start learning more about the industry. And it just got to a point where I said, man, I've been doing this so long. I've been promoted so many times, so many classes, so many certifications. I'm already a businessman. I, I think this is what my dad was talking about. I, I think this is the next level. Excellent answer. Excellent answer. Um, next question. Uh, what type of experience do you require for your security staff? Well, that all depends on the client. The higher level your client, the uh, more experience and training is required. Uh, when you have a high value client, um, let's say someone that's uh, executive, um, Fortune 500, 100 company, you're going to have to come in, man, with 10, 15 years law enforcement, police experience. You're going to have to have a resume that includes, you know, some other high value clients and and then, of course, you can go, you know, all the way to your entry level. Those who are just coming in and, you know, maybe they're going to work a couple of parking lots or um, office buildings and so on and so forth to get their start. And um, and then you'll be surprised what they're doing 10, 15 years later. Thank you for that. That was that was more of a, a warm up um, as we, as we uh, <laughs> get into it a little bit deeper. Have you applied your tactical experience to your immediate family? I guess that's sort of a rhetorical question, but I'm interested in your response. Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm actually getting more into it now. Um, I would say I hadn't done what what I should have been doing this last decade or so. It's been more about business and, and so on and so forth, man. But my, uh, my youngest kid is seven. My wife had two kids uh, before we married. So I'm learning a lot from the parenting aspect of having a seven-year-old ask a lot of questions and see me with weapons. You know, like the uh, the last brother said, hearing my voice and being her teacher and teaching her self-defense and um, answering every question that she has, getting her familiar with the weapons that are around the house and, you know, the, the uh, how-tos and don'ts and so on and so forth. So, that's kind of a new journey for us, man. But I'm excited to link up with the last two brothers because this next decade going to be on. <laughs> I know that's right. I know that's right. So uh, I have you on the show for a reason, God. Very uh, impressed with your uh, versatility on a lot of different topics. But I, I definitely need to get your, uh, your thoughts on... Uh, 
the well, I want to know your take on the recent constitutional carry law passed in the state of Texas that essentially allows any resident age 21 or older the right to openly carry a firearm in public without passing a training class or receiving a permit. Uh, do you see this as an opportunity for anti-gun politicians like Beto Rourke, Michael Bloomsburg, uh, the current administration and the current administration to push further gun control propaganda should another black swan mass shooting event occur? Great question. Bro, here's the deal, man. Um, everyone you just mentioned is a gun owner. <laughs> I guarantee you. They're gun owners. They're proud gun owners. They live in the state of Texas. Um, their neighbors are gun owners. Their best friends are gun owners. They're all, we're all gun owners. So um, I think that is just a part of their job. I think it's a talking point. I think it speaks to their voting base. I don't believe these guys believe uh, have of what it is that they are told to say. Um, but they're politicians. Uh, first and foremost, man, when if, if you understand politics and politicians, these guys are 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 salesmen of um, <laughs> of BS. They that, that is straight up. Um, so I don't take any politician to his or her word. I know politicians personally. Um, being forty-two years old. Uh, active in Houston, active in, in this region, in, in Texas. I've had the opportunity to befriend some future politicians back when I was in high school and college, right? We're at that age where some of the folks we know are running for, for office and we're like supporting their campaigns. And man, I, I watch, I read those talking points and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, really? And I ask some questions, man. I can't put names out there. But I ask questions, and they're like, hey, man, that's the talking point. That's what the party wants me to talk about. That's important to our voting base. But, man, I don't run my house based on these talking points. I run my house based on what it is I know that we need in my house. Right? So that's number one. They, they are gun owners. Number uh, uh, To answer your original question, man, I think it's a great thing. I, I, I think... You know, when you when you purchase something, that's a private purchase. Um, you you already have to go through the background check in, in order to purchase. Um, that's enough government right there. That's stop. That's enough government involvement in what it is that you own. Um, when you go to some of the private dealers, or maybe you go to um, a gun show and purchase a weapon, and and that weapon is yours. Whether or not someone knows that you own it, you have a, um, a, a it's registered somewhere, that, that's all BS to me, just like anything else. I think all of these registrations are nothing more than just a tab on a certain type of person, right? A person that is, um, that knows about self-defense, a person that is, um, uh, aware that he or she needs to take their their self defense to the highest level, they put you on the list, and I think that list is important to certain interest groups 
who want to just know who are the most armed people in a given region. And I understand their place as a government. I just don't want to play along with it. So I love it. Buy your gun, carry your gun, protect yourself, be ready for it. Um, and just a little tidbit. Um, here, here's the premise. Why do I need registered training for specific persons that are licensed with the state to train in order to own and carry a weapon to protect myself? Why can't I get my training from my uncle who's not a registered, um, um, you know, licensed trainer, but he spent over 30 years in the U S military. We go out shooting the things that he shares with me based on his experience. I'm not going to learn anywhere. Or maybe I pay and won't learn it from, you know, whoever this person is. So it's just the idea that you have to go through all these loopholes and, and so on and so forth to carry a weapon openly to protect yourself. Uh, that's stupid. Man, this this is I'm I am literally at Toys R Us right now. Uh no pun intended. I'm just so ecstatic about this, this panel and the way everyone's ability to articulate uh, I gotta write some better questions because I'm looking at some of these questions. I was like, you answer. I don't want to really want to answer that question because um, I know some of them are rhetorical. Like, do you feel that the government should regulate you as the right to own an AR-15? I know damn well you don't think they should be able to, but you know what's the? Uh, you know what? Forget that question. I'm gonna ask the next question. With the current administration promoting proposing mass gun registration in the buyback program, which you've already alluded to. How can our people in this room and our people across the country protect our ability to protect our families from potential raids uh, aided by no-knock warrants or from you know from law enforcement agencies or deployment of the military, military and or ambushes from private militia groups? Like how how do we uh, prepare ourselves for for these type of things? We've seen the predictive programming, all of the purge movies and all of that. I know some of that stuff is just used to to, to spread the fear mongering, but I know from being in the entertainment industry, a lot of this stuff is predictive programming and the enemy has this thing where they have to tell you what they're going to do before they do it. It's just a matter of us being prepared for it. So I know that was a loaded question, but uh, what are your thoughts on that? Let me me answer the question if you kind of didn't ask what you alluded to um man uh, uh weapons like a ar-15 or you know, uh, high capacity rifles and so on and so forth i understand completely why a government entity would not want me to own it because when they do come they don't want to face something like what they have it's not better <laughs> right that's, mm-hmm. that's the idea that, that's the whole idea you know it's, it's, don't bring a knife to a gunfight right um, so if, if they know it's going to be a gunfight then they're going to hesitate we see that online all of the time when someone the weapon and they've uh, already shot a, a few people, so on and so forth. The police handle them differently. Let me tell you why. Because the police officer doesn't want to get shot. 
like what just happened in, in uh, Texas a couple of days ago when the gentleman shot four people and uh, the police, um, uh, you know, took, he was armed and, you know, he was arrested and so on and so forth. Uh, a police officer doesn't want to come across someone, man, that has a, a um, has as many rounds as they do or as much training, if not more than they do. So that's your first question. That That's what AR-15s and all that, what that is all about is not having a well-armed citizenry to match whatever you may come, uh, uh, what send for. That, that's what that is all about. And I understand it. Like, I understand government. Again, I'm just not participating in shit or falling for, you know, their ploys. Um, to, to your your greater question, <clears throat> um, I think, man, being a part of a network of people who do train um, for these types of incidents, um, having friends that think on the same level as you do, that, um, that are skeptics, that are paying attention, that do um, have a pulse on these different things. That's part of being in a position to prepare yourself because those same groups will say, Hey guy, let's meet, you know, such and such Saturday. And when you, when, when you go out into the country and meet with these guys, man, you don't even realize that you're in, in training, but you are because all of these conversations that I have, and then you can just kind of go into breakout sessions on different things. And, uh, and then just discussions that are pop up on, did you hear about this uh, this thing that happened all over there that that didn't get reported because that person is linked up to you know somebody in the FBI, CIA, the Border Patrol, so on and so forth. I mean, there's so much information um, that you can come across being connected to those who are connected, right? So I, I think that's the biggest kind of first step. There's a lot of other things that you can do. Um, just like myself linking up with the two gentlemen before me, that that's all a part of a network in learning what I don't know and, and having a pulse on it, man, having my finger on that pulse. Peace, God. I just want to say I really appreciate you. First of all, I just appreciate you accepting the invitations. I know you're a very uh, introspective uh, brother from our all our conversations. You always articulate well, so uh, there's a reason why I ask you those particular questions, and I appreciate you answering. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is Nali Chiamaru, so uh, we will have a Q and A with him in a, in a moment. Uh, but next, we need to uh, move along to our next guest. I know you see my my beautiful sister Pasha up here on the panel. Exactly, we're going to be speaking with her husband, Yeotu Shiomaru. Uh, Yeotu uh, is a former U.S. Marine and founder of A-Team Logistics, a commercial trucking company based in Atlanta, Georgia, and Memphis, Tennessee. Yeotu and his wife, Pasha, are the proud parents of four tactically trained, beautiful children. Peace, God. Peace, 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 peace. brother. Peace, my brother. How are you doing? Um, how have you? Oh, absolutely! How have you applied your experience as a Marine to your business practices, and how you prepare your family for potential threats and/or disasters? Um, good question. Uh, first of all, thank you for inviting me on. Um, 
adapt and overcome. That was the main. That was the main phrase that was said to us in the Marine Corps: adapt and overcome. And it's applicable in real life situations in everyday life. Um, you have to adapt to every situation that comes across you, and um, and ultimately you have to overcome it. So um, that's the first thing I got to say: the will to want to succeed. Failure is never an option. It's only failure if you don't learn from the mistakes and you repeat them. These type of things um, are just kind of embedded in me. So when I speak of these type of things, these things are, are uh, they're transcended, transcended down to DNA level to your kids, if you will. Um, like the other um, people spoke on earlier that were speaking on their children. They see you walking around with weapons. They see your interests. They see um, the ammo gear, the, the old military pictures. The, um, when the guys come over to the house, they, they hear the stories. Um, so it's kind of embedded in them. Um, a good example, my wife surprised me one year for my birthday uh, with a crossbow. So I got the crossbow. I'm all happy and geeked up and everything. And um, gave it to my daughter to shoot. At that time, she was probably 10 years old, 9 years old. She hit it bullseye, her first shot. It took me three shots before I hit a bullseye. Her first shot was bullseye. The young one, he's 10 years old. Within five shots, they have bow and arrows, um, and they practice down in the basement. They have a little range set up for them. Within five shots, he's in dead on target. Um, so it's kind of easy for me to, to, um, to deal with the training aspect of the kids and and, and dealing with, with that part of it because it's kind of just, they just see it, they breathe it. Um, first video games they were playing were Sokum and and uh, these other militant type of games. So, yeah, that's um that's kind of how they are involved in everything. Um, but as it relates to the business side, it's just uh, growing up in the, in the family that I grew up in, I was adopted. So um, I got adopted when I was four years old and the family that adopted me, um, I was really, really, really blissed um, with this family. Um, had a different dynamic of thinking, um, different way of life than what I would have, what I, what I would have been raised in. So, um, both my grandparents, grandfathers were in the military. One of my grandfathers was a captain in the army. My dad was in the navy, and my uncle on my mother's side, her brother, was in the navy. So, just the way they lived, how they conducted day to day business, stern. Uh, walk with their chest out, chins parallel to the ground, shoulders back, confident, and um, really just then taking the BS. So from us, the kids, um, and especially from society, from the civil rights era and all that type of thing. So um, all those put into a pot of gumbo, mix it all up, and you get a person like me. You know, um, I bring it into my work. Um, I live it. I breathe it. It's, it's nonstop. Uh, that goes into the household, uh, going to the grocery store, just just anywhere. So um, I just had this will to succeed, um, get get hit with the punches, take it off the chest, and keep it moving. Keep it moving, brother. Man, if you guys can see how much I'm grinning from ear to ear and all this, these are all my my my, my brothers up here. You know what I'm saying? I can just talk to them on the regular thing. I'm sorry, y'all, y'all have to y'all have to bear with me. I'm just really enjoying this more than I I knew I was going to enjoy it, but I'm enjoying it even more. You already answered the next question. You guys are on a roll. Um, 
So I'm just going to move along. Uh, what advice would you give to individual families who feel isolated from the rest of their extended family and friends due to propaganda, whether it be politics, the pandemic, or even lifestyle? Wow, okay. Um, this question, um, the question. Um, a lot of people are facing this issue within uh, within our household. So um, how we deal with it, um, we just stand true to what we know and what we believe. You got to put that belief in there because so much propaganda out here, you really just can't all the way say for sure, for sure, something is for sure, for sure. You can believe in your spirit and your whole, but some things you just don't know for sure. But um, a lot of things are evident out there, and you do know it. Uh, history does repeat itself, and it's repeating itself right now. And uh, also this time frame is uh, the time for the great separation. That doesn't exclude blood, family, or friends. You know, um, as anybody, any and everybody that you might know, um, there's a great separation going on that has been put there by through racism, through wearing the mask, not wearing the mask, getting shot up, not getting shot up. Uh, well, when I say shut up, you know what I'm talking about with, uh, in the arm and everything. Um, all these type of things, lower class, middle class, upper class, who has the Ferrari, who has the Pinto. You know, we, we, we've always been placed in this realm of um, uh, the have and the have nots. So um, 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 that just adds on to what we got going on right now with this pandemic. So um, I say just stay true to who you are and what you believe in and, um, and, uh, and keep it moving. Uh, keep an open mind with dealing with the zombies until you feel you can't keep it up anymore. You know, I call them zombies because we already know what goes on with that shot. Um, so, you know, it um, it takes them to a different level. Um, I have a family member that uh, that received the shot both rounds, um, has a terminal ill disease and still took the shot. And, you know, um, you know, you just kind of have to deal with it. You know what it is and, and you come in peace with it and, um, Hey, the savage kind of already see the funeral. You know, it, it almost puts it in perspective. So when it does happen, you you really don't miss too much of a beat because there's so much going on right now that um you got to be there for you, your your spouse, and your and your seed. So um until you can't do it anymore, you know, at this point in time, people already have their minds made up, and um and what they believe is their truth. So it's not too much you can change that right now. It's it's more in the situation where you have to be in prepping mode, getting ready mode versus making other people aware their truth is their truth so you know it is what's, what was what it is so and um just be a piece that you know you tried your best letting them know that's all you can do be at peace with it and um we all have our own roads that we have to travel and another perspective i put it in is that um i'm a spiritual person so i put it in the perspective of everyone has their own karma to deal with you know um lord knows i've seen mine but um, um, they have their own problem to deal with. I mean, the older generation are the ones that's taking them more so than anything. And and they were the ones that got to hear the stories about the Tuskegee experiment. They were the ones that got the, got, got the, uh, the syphilis and all these other type of experiments going on, let alone the AIDS experiment and all these other type of things. They saw this. They told us to be, aware, be weary of it. And here, here, what I'm seeing, I don't know if this is all across the board, but from what I'm seeing, the elders are taking taking this jab, and that's knocking out our wisdom, and that's the that's a good way to conquer, um, conquer the remains. You don't have the wisdom there to help guide you. You know, you're doomed for failure. So, um, the strategic plan is out there, 
you know. So um, just, just live off of what you know and what you believe. And uh, if you really believe that and you really know that, then, then everything else is going to fall in place and you and yours will be protected. Mm. Man, that touched me deep right there. Um, mm. You and I have had extensive discussions, very extensive discussions on firearms. For a member of the audience who has a family but doesn't currently own one or have tactical training, what do you recommend that they purchase and why? And after uh, Ye Odo answers this question a little bit later on when we open it up, I'm going to redirect that question to the, to the rest of the panel. But right now, I want Ye Odo's response. Um, another good question, brother. Another good question. Uh, my suggestion is um, a handgun. Um, and I suggest that you go to a range or something something on those parameters and um, ask questions, um, let them know what's going on as far as it relates to um, but what, you, what, what you're liking, what you're, uh, how you feel, um, are you scared of them. They'll ask you a series of questions and they'll kind of guide you in the right area. And uh, more than likely, they have a similar firearm there for the practice on. Um, if you like it, then go for what you know. You know, um, if you don't, keep on twerking until you until you figure it out. Um, that's why I, I, I suggest a, um, a handgun when you first starting out because um, whatever's good for me doesn't necessarily mean it's good for my wife or for someone else. Um, she has her little thing, and I have my little thing, and. Um, and uh, sometimes she looks at my thing like, no, nah, I'm good. You know, we'll go to the range, <laughs> you know. So, uh, what, what, you know, uh, each person, each individual has their certain level of tolerance. Um, the recoil, the the feel of the gun, the grip of the gun, um, all these come into play. So there, there's really, I really can't recommend a specific weapon of choice, but um, those, are the, those are the guidelines I would, or some instructions I would suggest that you take as it relates to trying to figure out what's the best thing for you. Um, once you get proficient in that by a lot of rounds, um, I'd rather have one gun with a whole bunch of rounds than a whole bunch of guns with minimal rounds. So I uh, get proficient in it. Like one of the brothers said, learn how to break it down, put it back together, oil it up, talk to them. Being in the Marine Corps, we had a little thing we had to say every night before we went to bed. This is my rifle. This is my gun. You know, we had to say a prayer to our rifles every single night, you know. So um, <laughs> not being around women back in those days, you know, you kind of hugged on hugged on in the middle of the night. Yes, thank you for being there to protect me. So, you know, um, I, I, I love them things. I love those toys, man. <laughs> I love them too, God. Yes, sir. And uh, speaking of things that I love, I alluded to this earlier with the God and Nali. I'll pose a similar question to you. What do you say to these, I'm not even going to call them people, we call them morons who believe we shouldn't have the right to own our AR-15s. Uh, I'm kind of addressing that question because while he was answering it, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't I don't know if I could say anything anything better than that. Um, I think uh, uh, some of it, it, it's a couple of factors, okay? Uh, one of the factors is um, to target the elder to make them feel intimidated, uh, um, to make them feel um, uh, live in fear. So uh, if you kind of look at the uh, AR, um, and, uh, just by itself, it looks like something that Rambo or Arnold Schwarzenegger or somebody like that would carry, um, let alone when it gets souped up with other tactical equipment added on to it. So uh, 
intimidation of it. Some sometimes, um, sometimes that, that that can get to uh, to a lot of people. Um, and oddly enough, that's what I love about them. Um, uh, on the other agenda, it's um, you know, just put propaganda out there. You know, um, putting fear in the people. Um, um, of course, this is the ultimate thing. Uh, like brother said before me, um, you can't come in tactically and try to suppress the people in an aggressive manner, knowing that they're armed. And you touched on this country earlier, Australia. I, I, I feel so bad for them, man. Like, like, boy, woo, 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 woo. But, um, that's the only reason why we're still standing. It's almost like if you're connected to the, to outside the United States, you see that every country is going through shit right now. Every single country is going through something right now. Every single country. Way worse than what we're going through. It's almost like they're putting it out there in South Africa to see how they would react. In the UK, how they would act. Australia, New Zealand, China, Tokyo, how all these different places would react. So they can come to a... a, a um, a synopsis on how they're going to address the United States. Because regardless if you live in the mountains, missing some teeth and a long beard, all the way down to the, to, to the young brother in Chicago sagging, you know, um, this country is ready, you know, for any type of opposition that comes that way. So when you look at it from that perspective, of course they want that to come out your hands. And like the brother said earlier, the ones that want to come out your hands, they got a couple of them sitting in the stash. You know, we saw that last year in Missouri when the, owner and his uh, wife was sitting out eating crepits and drinking tea and um uh uh um what was that group black um antifa or something like that was walking through and they, he walked out with his ar you know um and everyone had the history fit on it you know so they're just building it up um just to just to try to pull it away from us um you see what's going on with pulling the uh ammo from russia that's over almost 50 percent of our ammunition that a lot of people use now that's banned so they're trying to hit it from different angles um just be leery of that and when you see that type of stuff coming um it's getting closer and closer to that day so as it relates to that ar you know um people just uh, they just try to make it seem like something more than what it really is i'm a i'm a firm believer if that's your main weapon that you carry i need to have that too then <clears throat> or better i mean that's just let's let's play fair you take that away, I take mine away. I don't think I'll take mine away, but you know what I mean. But, um, yeah, let's just play fair. You're going to walk around with, with all these different type of uh, uh, semi-automatics and, and, and automatics. You know, I, I need to have the same course, too. Man, y'all are so articulate in all these subjects. And I'm looking at my next question. I can't even ask the next question. I'm just going to add a little um, With so many of our people residing in major metro areas, urban communities, whether it's New York, uh, Chicago, Detroit, Los Angeles, Baltimore, D.C., Philly, uh, Atlanta, uh, you know, in the South, we got Dallas, you know, we got uh, various communities. With so many of our people that get sucked into the vortex of the the race racial identity politics and the uh, the this the so-called statistics that, that tell us about how high gun violence is in our communities and how uh these these uh the the blue team the 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 democrats like to come in and tell us that we got to get the guns off the street to protect our families etc 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 
Um, and then they they respond to these uh, black swan events, I call them, and like I alluded to in the, in the opening monologue, and you, you see all the mass shootings, and you know, and, and they love to uh, use our community to. I mean, they did it this whole past decade, especially with the Obama administration, with all of the the um, stand your ground murders, if you will. Like, how do we keep our people from getting sucked into the bullshit? Because we, we see them getting sucked into the uh, the COVID, and we saw our people get get swarp get swarmed with with the whole Black Lives Matter protests. Although Black Lives Matter was a Marxist organization that was directly funded by the Open Society, George Soros, and uh, money went straight to political candidates and they were really an undercover alphabet community feminist group. Like, how do we keep our people from the next agenda, which was, we are, we kind of alluded to with Denali, because you know for a fact, and that's what, what I was alluding to with Texas, although I love them all. I love them all as far as open carry. You don't because I'm not registering none of our stuff either. But what happens when a mass shooting occurs? Because it's coming. It's not an if. It's coming. They're going to blame it on the, the gun carry laws. They're going to use that propaganda to further create the momentum that we should get high-powered uh, weapons off the street. So how do we keep our people from feeding in to that bullshit, because I'm just going to be honest with you, like, we're, we're our elders, and you alluded to it earlier, like, they should know that. But how do we keep our people from getting sucked into that and underst not understanding that a lot of these laws are, are directly aiming at us? Oh, boy, that's a, that, that's a powerful question. <laughs> um... <laughs> um okay uh kind of chop this question up a little bit uh, like i said earlier i'm kind of a spiritual person so um coming from that coming from that mindset i truly believe that people that are supposed to know know um the ones that don't know they don't know for a reason and and by you being a person that knows you know the people that are straddling the fence like lost or confused or whatnot um, there's no convincing someone that has already had their truths and their beliefs. There, there, there's really no swaying them. You're, you're, you're really more so at that point in time, letting, letting them know too much about you now and what your beliefs are. Um, these are the people that are going to end up telling on you, snitching on you, dry snitching on you, um, um, in the long run. They don't live by a code. They, they have their own beliefs. Oh, let me take that back. They do live by a code. And, and their code is their beliefs, and, and if they feel like you're a threat, whether you're a family or not, they they will uh, they will proceed accordingly. So um, it's really not, to me in my mind, it's really not about um, saving the ones that don't know. It's about connecting with the people that do know and making sure that we're strong and making sure our seeds come out with that understanding as well. Because as we can see, they're attacking our next generation um, cold hard cold heartedly, you know. And, and that shit really pisses me off messing with the kids, man. Um, when you get to mess with kids and the elderly, man, you're striking a nerve right there with me, man. So um, um, I got I got four of them, and I uh, really got more than that because I consider every child mine. 
that they're in my presence. So, you know, um, um, with that being said, mm. uh, the best way to attack that is, is, is to attack them through your kids. Give them the knowledge. Keep it going on. Don't never let it die. Our ancestors spread the word mostly through mouth, not on paper. You know, so that's the reason why they wanted to get rid of our elders starting last year on, on a mass genocide. That's what that shit was in New York. 20,000 elderly dead. That's a mass genocide on the elderly, man. Come on, let's get real. They don't want the wisdom around. You don't have any wisdom around who's going to help guide you, who's, who's, who's going to help lead you. And they got the young generation. I don't know what they're called right now, but they own all these different pills and stuff I can't even pronounce. And I used to teach medical. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't. so, you know, you got to stay true. Keep the kids close with you. Monitor them as much as you possibly can to make sure they're around like-minded people. And um, and and kids are true believers in looking and learning. So if you display yourself in a certain way, they will adjust to that. They will adjust to that. And um, that's the best way I can attack it. Um, for the people that already had their mind made up, it is what it is, man. Um, the only thing I, I see that you can look forward to is is, is connecting with the seeds and and making sure that they are that they're, that they're told the truth. Really appreciate that, God. Hey, this is for, for people tuning in for the first time. And I, I uh, had the vision for Sovereign Creed, and what I wanted to do it was about creating solutions, and this group embodies it to the teeth. You need to check your circle. If you aren't having a, a, if you if you don't have these conversations with your your close inner circle, you better start in a hurry. You might want to tap in with with uh, the gentleman on this panel. All right, we're going to open it up for questions. We got about twenty five more minutes left. So I want to uh, make sure that everyone who has a question has the ability, and we, we won't have any limits, so we're going to try to get as many questions as we can in, in the next 25 minutes. I also want to make sure that we get the contact information for everyone up here in case someone wants to tap in with these gentlemen off of this platform. So if you have a question, please raise your hand. If you don't have any questions, I would be dumbfounded because... <laughs> There's been a lot of uh, scenarios and topics that have been covered, but um, no questions. I don't have anybody has a question. Really, that's interesting. Well, if you don't have a question, I'm going to continue to ask some more questions. Yes, uh, to the the rest of the panel. Um, well, I guess for, for, for Amaru, uh, excuse me, Ausaga. Forgive me, God. Ausaga. I think we were alluding to. Uh, Preparation for maybe a potential raid or the no-knock warrants and uh, this propaganda surrounding around firearms. Like, um, I know what you do with your family, but for people, members of the audience, like, what strategies would you recommend for them to uh, just be prepared for for anything? Whether it's something to do with the law, whether it's you know, something to do with a potential intruder. I'm kind of rambling because this is this open <laughs> question, but yeah, go, go ahead. Just give me your thoughts. You're good, man. Um, uh, from what I gather, man, um, <clears throat> I believe what you're saying is like, um, what type of strategy could we have to um, 
pretty much be prepared for what we what we know. And I, I think you somebody said it earlier, man. It's just, um, I guess uh, for me, man, it's just I encourage everyone to go and go and find this information. You know what I'm saying? Uh, at least um, don't be dumb to it. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to be ignorant to this information. And this shouldn't be the first time that you've heard it, you know, and, and, and it's no downer to those who, you know, this could possibly be your first time hearing about this information. But if it is, you know, don't let this type of information um, go unsought. You know, you got to seek it out, you know. Um, <clears throat> and, and when I was a, a member of the Black Panther Party, man, they, they instilled in us, man, that, you know, um, if you don't arm yourself, you harm yourself. You know, if you don't train, it's like uh, we, we have a slogan, man. It's like train to die. You know, if you, if you don't want to train, if you don't want to prepare, then, you know, there's only one other way to go, you know, and that's that's off the map, you know, because these, these people, you know, a lot of times we tend to be a little soft when we have these conversations, man, but these people are really trying to kill us, man. You know, they're really trying. They're really taking our, trying to take our weapons. They're really trying to kick us off of certain land masses. You know, it's, it's nothing that's changed. You know, so when you talk about this tactical tra- training and being prepared, man, you have to have the knowledge. And then for the brothers in the home, man, you you gotta you gotta the nuts gotta drop, bro. You know, um, you gotta have your aggression when it comes to this. You know. Um, and um, and I think a lot of other brothers said it before this, man. You got to be trained. You got to have that. The, the man got to kick in. You know, uh, the man has to take his place. But you know, um, when it, when it comes to this, man, and and if the man is in his proper place, man, the family is going to follow. You know, um, and for those who don't have the man in the home, you know, you have you have brothers on the panel. You know that you can connect with uh, brothers in your community, your uncles. You know, uh, anybody who's like-minded and um, on this way. So I encourage everybody first, don't be ignorant to the laws and, and what is being said. You know, go out and find the information. Um, and two, uh, just pass on, you know, brothers, man, just continue to, to uh, you know, step in your place, you know, as being that protector. You know, and when, you, uh, when a woman and your children feel protected, man, there's nothing that they wouldn't do for you, you know. And that's real. Appreciate that. Uh, as you were talking, I started thinking, you know, um, many of the people in our community, and, and quite frankly, I'm looking at this room, a lot of people in this room live in cities and states that are democratically controlled, which means that you're going to have a lot stricter gun laws. I know my wife and I, one of the reasons why we're excited about moving to Texas was because we live in California. If you live in California, you know uh, how strict uh, the gun laws are. But that was also before I learned about my tribe, the Aboriginal Republic of North America. If you do happen to live in uh, one of these states that are heavily regulated when it comes to firearms, and if moving is not an option, which I think everyone should be considering a mass migration out of the north and uh, the eastern, the, the, those California, those uh, blue states. But if that's not an option for you, because let's be honest, you know, some people, for whatever reason, it's a little bit more difficult to, to make that, that type of move. My wife and I, we had we our, our infant young uh, son, and, and we were married to California, so we got the hell out of it. But if you plan on 
abstain. <laughs> well, I'd advise you to get with a, with a jurist and, and, and see about giving yourself some protection. But that's not the end-all, be-all. It's not about just joining the tribe and protection. You still have to do the work. You still have to create uh, an environment in your home where you're doing the training that these gentlemen are talking about. You still have to go out and do research on the, the right firearm. The only way you're going to do that is to apply the information. We can have these uh, these shows every week, but if you aren't applying the information, then this is going to go on deaf ears. Everyone in this room, if you don't own a firearm, you should be going to a gun shop or, uh, <laughs> or you know, a, a shooting range, and you should be asking questions. Everybody, even the ones that do know, we need to be asking questions because when you stop learning, you stop growing. And if you stop learning and growing, you might as well just die. Because I promise you, all of the people up on this panel, they are experts on firearms. But I guarantee you, if someone has something to offer, they're going to tap in and they're going to want to know. It. So we got to make sure that we're constantly learning. We need to get a, a habit of always learning, always applying. It's all about the application. You want to acquire the knowledge, but we have to apply it. Because as Aousaga alluded to, we are at war. These people are trying. They're not trying at this point. They're, they've been successful. So are we going to continue to backpedal? Uh, I want this to be a, a collaboration, a collaborative effort, because our livelihoods are collaborative effort. Our children are collaborative man, I, I, I have a thought. I have a thought, man. I, I think kind of putting this into a, a systematic approach, right? Number one, whatever area that you're in, I would suggest that you tap into a, uh, a shooting range. Go to, go to a gun range where people look like you. Right, that's that one. Because I don't know what level you know you're on. I don't know if, if if everyone on here has some training, advanced, intermediate, so on and so forth. But for the beginners, start by going to a range, be around people that look like you, and listen. Before you have your questions, you're listening because you're listening for the person to ask questions to. Right. You go in there and you're hearing guys talking about, man, last weekend, this, last month, that, you know, coming up this month, man, we're doing this. Those are the ones you say, oh, man, you know what? I don't know nothing about this. I don't know nothing about pistols, nothing about uh, um, rifles. I barely have shot, if at all, so on and so forth, tapping to that person. And then, like, anything else, man, value your relationships. Like, understand, man, these people have come into your life to teach you, to give you some things. I've been around some guys that I'm just like, you know what, nah, that's the last time he's going to get a text, phone call, and invite, you know. Um, this is, we can have fun and we can, you know, have a good time, but this is serious business. And, um, and you know, you, you got to watch the people that you're around. But after you kind of tap into that, make this a routine. You know, put you together a schedule and, and hit that gun range 
I mean, the first couple of years, I think you need to be in a gun range once every 60 days. Once every 30 days, if you got the time and you can afford it. Because when you first start something, you need to learn it, and then you need to repeat it, and so on and so forth, until you like really, really got that thing down. And I think everything else will kind of make its way from there, because you can then, when you put yourself in a community, things are just going to start following and building from that point. Appreciate that, God. Just thought of a question, and Donati made me think of this. Uh, can anyone on the panel basically give uh, some people some some basic steps on like a proper progression uh, when it comes to to training? Like, well, what what should be the objective um, every time we uh, go to a range? And that's for anybody. Um. So main objective when you go to a range um, is like like the brother said, man. Like once every sixty days, but um, he alluded to like just becoming familiar with it, you know. So um, when you go into the range, um, I always tell myself, man, like a uh, hundred rounds, you know, uh, just just try to hit the paper a hundred times, you know. And um, what that does is it create a lot a lot of muscle memory. You know, um, it also, um, you know, gets you familiar with your weapon. And I would add to um, the gun range, if you can try to find you something that's outside, you know, uh, somewhere outside where you can train, that uh, that would probably be number two. Because you kind of want to train without the uh, comfortable ear protection. <laughs> you want to train, you, you want to hear the sound of your weapon, you know, because... Um, I know a lot of folks would train in a gun range, man, and then it was, you can't put your headgear on before you protect your family. You know what I'm saying? So you got to get used to that sound. You know, I wouldn't say 100 rounds, you know, uh, you wear out your eardrums, but just getting used to hearing the sound of that weapon. Thank you for that. I'm sorry. That's great stuff. And it, it hit me. You know, we've been pretty much primarily been discussing uh, firearms. We still got to have the hand-to-hand combat, too. So everybody should be taking some form of self-defense training, whether you go to uh, a kickboxing gym, MMA gym, another different type of discipline. This is the time to prioritize our, our resources. This is not the vacation in the Caribbean time right now, okay? That shit is over with. You know, we need to be actively prepared for so definitely um, tap in with your, and uh, in, in preferably someone that looks like you, as Denali alluded to earlier, because, you know, we're going to, you know, we, we just need to make sure we patronize each other so we can uh, continue to, uh, you know, flex that, that economic muscle. Um, but, yes, we want to make sure we're, we're uh getting some type of hand-to-hand combat training because you might not have time to reach for your gun. Sometimes you might need to use a knife. Go ahead. Ice. That's true. That's true, man. You, you, you're on point, man. And I, I wanted to add, man, I, know, I met a brother on Facebook. He practices uh, 52 blocks. And he has um, a website. It's uh, learn uh, slash martial arts.com. And uh, you can take some free training. Uh, on his website, man, and I think you get like the first three trainings is free, you know, and then you have to sign up for his program, and then you can actually 
train with him online. You know, and not only is it 52 blocks, it has like jujitsu and other martial arts. So um, it's called martialarts.com. So um, that's something I want to leave. And then going back to the handgun, man, um, I do want to uh, pump this laser bullet, man. It's a um, it's a small laser. Uh, it's shaped like a bullet, and you put it inside of your weapon. And um, literally, man, you can just sit on your couch, man, and just aim at a glass can or aim at your flower pot across the room. And um, you actually can download an application to where um, pretty much it can log your um, uh, your activity, you know. So um, I'll be sure, if you reach out to me on social media, I'll be sure to uh, get you that information. But I also use the laser bullet when it comes to the firearm. But like he did say, man, it's very important that you're able to um, use those hands and feet too. Yeah, that's a big one. Oh, we're running out of time. We've got about nine minutes left, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go ahead and uh, get everyone's uh, best contact information. I'll start with you, Outsider. Uh, you can find me on um, Instagram, um, Charles Transforms, um, or you can reach out at Mansa Eleven Musa. That's on Instagram. Um, you can also um, find uh, my wife on Instagram. Hers is um, Hope, Hope and Homeschooling. Um, her name is Destiny on Instagram. So that's the best for us. Denali? Yes, sir. Sorry about that, man. I'm I'm in and out. I'm I'm uh, multitasking here. Um, but you can reach me on Instagram um, at I am dot Denali. XR. Um, and uh, hey, as far as business is concerned, man, you guys can go to askosp.com for anything uh, security needs, armed and unarmed with license in Texas, uh, along with a bunch of other states with co licensing. Um, you can reach us at 713 568 1763. That's our line 24 um, 7 dispatch. You can get me at any time, so on and so forth. And, um, hey, thank you, man. Um, appreciate it, but I know I got to run. I appreciate you, God. We will, we will, All right, God. We will, we will wrap. Uh, Yayola, please, uh, your kind. Um, all I have is um, an email address. I'm not on social media. So um, my email is Yayoto Ogutala11 at Gmail. That's Y A O T. L O G U T A L L A one one at gmail dot com. Thank you for that. All right. So uh thank you, gentlemen. Um I want to give a couple of book recommendations. Uh, first of all, we want to uh I choose to act by our first guest, Hakeem Isler. Uh, that's a, a women's self-defense book. We also have Battlefield Battlefield Proximity Combat by Hakeem Isler, and all of those books are available on, on Amazon and uh, your local uh, major bookstore. Then um, we also have a recommendation. I actually own these three books. I strongly recommend it's the, the 100 Deadly Skills series by Clint Emerson. Uh, that's 100 Deadly Skills by, and then you have 100 Deadly Skills Survival 
and 100 Deadly Skills Combat, all by author Clint Emerson. Thank you for tuning in to the inaugural, excuse me, it's not the inaugural. <laughs> this is the fourth episode of the Sovereign Creed Show. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Sovereign Creed. And definitely check out our website. Uh, many of the people in, in the audience have uh, been uh, habitual patrons, and we run a, We really appreciate everyone who's taking the time to support us. But if you're not familiar with Sovereign Creed, you want to check out our, our line of clothes, which are very provocative. They're like walking billboards. That is the www.sovereigncreed.shop. I want to give a special thank you to our first guest, Hakeem Isler. Uh, Mr. Ausaga Shi Ali, Denali Shiamaru, and Yeodo Shiamaru for joining us today. Shout out to our producer, Cindy Ashby, for making this possible. If you haven't done so already, make sure you sign up for www.otwtube.com so you can join our community of melanated Aboriginal content creators where your voice can be heard and you never have to worry about censorship. Tune in for the next episode on Wednesday, September 15th at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Central. We're actually next week, actually next Monday is actually the 25th anniversary for the death of Mr. Tupac Amaru Shakur. And so we'll have our, our panel of uh, Aboriginal melanated MCs, and we're going to be talking about state-run radio and its correlation with the private prison industrial complex. Uh, we don't just discuss the problems. We offer the solutions. I'm your host, J.I. Lee, Shiamaru, and this is On The Wake Up Radio. Thank you, everybody. We at Sovereign Creed are dedicated to the nurturing, preserving, and protecting of the Aboriginal American family. We are aligned with the customs and beliefs practiced by our indigenous American ancestors and will continue to ensure that their legacy lives on with everything that we do. Look it up. Flawed individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Deanne. Cindy On the wake up. You, the people, have the power. The power to create happiness. Let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power. But they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. OTWTube.com, uncensored free speech platform.